following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Good morning, church. Good morning. It is, I will echo what Nate said. It is good to see um, so many of you on a holiday weekend. We are glad that you are here. Uh, for those of you that I have not met yet, my name is Kyle Knight. I'm the family pastor and one of the elders here at Fathom Church. Um, it is good to see you. It's good to see those of you, not see, but thanks for joining us online. Um, wherever you're at, if you're traveling for Labor Day, please be safe. But thanks for tuning in. Um, hey, so as, as you can tell, maybe you haven't noticed yet. Maybe you haven't been around here in a little little while, but um, we are starting a new series today, a new series this morning. We've been uh, sort of trekking through the gospel of Matthew this summer, as we normally do in the summer. We do a gospel um, in, the, in the summer, so we've been going through Matthew quite, for quite a while, uh, but now this is kind of the, it's really the first Sunday in our fall uh, semester. Uh, by the way, thank you for those of you who came out to the, uh, the cookout or who came to church and then came back for the cookout last weekend. It was so much fun. We had a blast, um, a, a lot of good food and good, good people there. So, um, but, so this morning, it's kind of our kickoff into our fall um, series. So we're going to be starting our First Peter series this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up uh, to First Peter. We'll be in chapter one. You can um, open up one of the black Bibles underneath your chair uh, or get your phone or your tablet out. Uh, those of you joining us online, please uh, do that as well. Um, if you haven't joined us that many times, we like to say this here at Fathom that we don't put a lot of scripture on the screen for you because we want you to have it in front of you. We want you to open up your own Bible, um, get it in front of you or open up your phone Bible, whatever it is. We want you to see it in front of you. So that's what we're going to be doing. So first Peter chapter one is where we're going where we're going to be. But with any with any new series, with any uh, kind of new text that we're going to be jumping into, we need to do a little bit of an introduction into this book that we're going to study. So um, in order to, to help us make sure that we understand what this text uh, in, in its context um, what it has for us, uh, who it's written to, who is writing it, all those sorts of things, who the audience is. We want to, uh, we want to kind of dive into those things first, just to give us a better understanding um, about what's going on, therefore, to, to hopefully help us in, uh, in learning some things this morning. So uh, I first want to start out with who is writing first Peter, okay? Now, obviously, um, the title kind of gives it away a little bit, uh, but uh, we could assume who the author of first Peter is, but we don't want to just assume. So let's look at the text and actually read it. So if you would join with me in reading in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay, there it is. So there, there's, it's, it's confirmed that this is Peter. So we know who that Peter is indeed writing 1 Peter. Okay, we just got to make sure. All right, so it's a good thing Peter says um, it is him who is writing this. But um, I want to talk about this guy, Peter, for a second. Okay, we know a little bit about Peter. We know he was one of the disciples of Jesus. So um, he was there through all of Jesus's things. He was there le le learning from him, listening to him, seeing Jesus do all these amazing things. Peter was there. Um, a few kind of interesting, fun things about Peter. Uh, Peter is also mentioned, he's mentioned the most in the Gospels than any other person besides Jesus. Okay, so Peter's mentioned the most. Uh, Peter talked the most 
in all of the gospels besides Jesus. Uh, Peter, uh, Jesus talked to Peter the most uh, out of any other disciple. Uh, Jesus also rebuked Peter the most out of any other person. Um, of course, Peter had that speak first, talk, speak, speak first, listen later, think later mentality sort of thing. That's why we like Peter, really. Um, and Peter was the only disciple to rebuke Jesus. Okay, Peter confessed who Jesus was more boldly and accurately than any other disciple. We actually just heard this in our Matthew series this past um, summer where, you know, Jesus said, like, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter actually, like, that's when Peter got it right, said you are the Christ. Um, Peter also denied knowing Jesus more boldly and publicly than any other disciple. We kind of know that, that story a little bit, if you've been at church for a little while. Um, Jesus praised Peter more than any other. And Jesus addressed Peter as Satan, too. So let's just to name a few things, right? Um, and, and we've said this before, and you'll hear this a lot from, from pastors and, and preachers who are talking about Peter. And you've probably heard this before, that, that this, this guy's a lot like us. Like, th this guy is a lot like us, like called to be a follower of Jesus. He, he accepts that call with just passion and, and devotion. He goes for it. Um, he works really, really hard to, to earn Jesus' love to say the right thing, right? To not say the wrong thing. Uh, he seems to understand Jesus most of the time and understand his heart and his grace. Um, but he's also so quick to talk back to Jesus, right? To, to test Jesus, to ask him to prove himself to, to Peter, um, to drop Jesus just like a bad habit the second things get difficult, right? Um, and look, kind of look for a way out. Like this, that was Peter. Like this is Peter. This is the guy we're going to be looking at today. He was, he was real. He was authentic, an authentic follower of Jesus. He's got his ups and his downs. And I think that's why we can all kind of relate to Peter a lot. So that's Peter. That is, that is who is writing this book of 1 Peter. Now let's look at who this book is written to. Okay, who this book is written to. Let's go back to verse 1. Let's read verse 1 and verse 2. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So that's kind of how Peter starts off, which is really awesome that he just like his intro has just Trinitarian, just like, like that's just Trinitarian text, Father, Son, Holy Spirit right in there. Peter's a good writer. Um, but Peter here says that he's writing to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Okay, so dispersion, um, that word coming from the Greek word diaspora, meaning the scattered. Okay, so these are people who are scattered, and then he lists off a lot of places around that area where these people who have, these elect exiles have scattered to. Now, first, I want to talk about a little bit about um, these, these sort of places, these, these people that Peter have, uh, is talking about have dispersed or scattered there, and then I want to get into why he calls them elect exiles, 
Okay, so um, in order to do that, I want to bring up a main theme that we're going to see a lot here in 1 Peter. One of the main themes, themes from this whole entire book, and that is the theme of suffering. It's a theme of suffering in this book. Uh, Peter's writing this letter to a specific group of people who are, who are suffering. Right? And you might think like, well, suffering from what? Like, what are, what are they suffering from? Well, suffering from all different types of things. But uh, most specifically, Peter calls these people uh, elect exiles. Like he's talking about spiritual suffering here. He's talking about people who are suffering because of their belief in Jesus. Now, now these, are, these are Christians. These are they're Jews and Gentiles alike who are exiles, who Peter wants to encourage in their suffering. Now, these could have been people who were just walking with Jesus. Uh, this book is said to kind of been written either like 20 to 30 years after Jesus um, had died and resurrected. And so um, some of these people had followed Jesus, had been right there with them. And so in talking about suffering, we know suffering is obviously hard, right? But, what, but one thing that suffering also does is it, is it sort of makes you, if you're going to suffer, some of us, it kind of turns it inward and we start to focus everything inside. And when we're suffering, we tend to look inward. And the temptation when suffering is to kind of be a little closed off, to push people away, to do everything on your own, to try to get through it alone to, to be sort of self-reliant in your, in your suffering. That is why Peter is, is writing this to encourage them, to remind them that they aren't alone in their suffering. And then one thing is, is when you're suffering and you're trying to find a way out of your suffering, you're, you're, you're trying to find that hope in your suffering, trying to get out of that, you end up finding your hope in yourself Right? Thinking like, I got this, I got this, I can do this, I can get myself out of this, I can pull myself out of this mess that I've got myself in. Or you find your hope in other things around you. And when that happens, you just tend to suffer more and more and you go deeper and it's more of a downward spiral. I don't know if you guys um, have ever heard of a story of, of an, a British ocean liner that sank in the early 1900s. Um, this is not that story, though. This is a different one, okay? Not the, not the Titanic. This is an example of a different one. But in May of 1915, a British ocean liner, the RMS Lusitania, was struck by a torpedo from a German submarine. Now, this was one of the events that, um, that contribute, directly contributed to the U.S. getting into World War I. But um, the ship sank in a matter of minutes, in a matter of minutes, this, uh, the ship sank, killing almost everyone on board. Almost every passenger on board died. And one story that was recorded um, from this tragedy was from one of the passengers that survived. His name was Charles. Um, and this is what was written about, about Charles and his, kind of, um, um, his experience on there. It says, as the ship was sinking, and as Charles looked around to see who needed life jackets... He noticed that among the crowds now pouring onto the deck, nearly everyone who passed by him that was wearing a life jacket had it on incorrectly. In his panic, one man um, had thrust one arm through an armhole and his head through another armhole. Um, others had rushed past him, wearing them upside down. 
No one had stopped to read the neat little signs that they had around the, the, the ship telling them how to put them on or ask for any help on how to put them on. And Charles tried to help those who were running by him in a panic, but some thought they were ju- that he was just trying to take their life jacket away from him. And so they fled from him in terror. And a quote from um, one of those, the teams that was part of the rescue team of the ship that sank, it said this, they said, um, dead and drowning people were dotting the sea like seagulls. Many bodies were floating upside down because people had put their life jackets on the wrong way. And so their heads were pushed down under the water further and further. And so I, I, I tell you that example because when we're suffering, we are suffering alone. We tend to battle these things alone and battle our suffering alone, not looking for any help, not looking for any outside help, not looking for um, outside hope. Or if we do look for hope, it's in the wrong places. And so we end up just kind of suffering more and, and diving deeper into this. And um, these people at Peter is talking to you, or they're, they're fleeing in their, in their suffering. They're, they're running away. And really Peter's saying like, hey guys, like, like you've got your life vests on the wrong way, your, your hope in the wrong things. There's, there's a better way to do this. And so the, the, the reality is many of us are suffering here today and some outwardly, some outwardly, but, but many are inwardly suffering on on our own and it's quietly alone and wanting to beat it alone, not looking for help, not looking for hope um, or really finding our hope in other things in all the wrong places. And, and maybe that's you today, church, um, and you're just getting pulled down and you feel like you just can't get out of it. You're getting pulled further and further and you're, you're sinking. And, and what Peter does for us in First Peter, and this whole entire book is he acknowledges the sufferings of these people, these followers of Jesus, right? And he gives them something greater. He gives them an out. He reminds them that they have something greater, that in their suffering, he grabs, grabs them and tells them how to put on a life jacket correctly. He throws them a life preserver. He gives them an out and he gives them hope. And it's not just any hope, okay? It's a hope that can be found in, in Jesus. And what Peter calls that hope that we'll look at here in just a second is living hope. Living hope. So that's what we will hear throughout First Peter. Throughout Peter's first epistle, his letter to these Christians that are suffering in this area, he's gonna talk about suffering a lot. And now let's, I, w- I want to take a, an even closer look at these, these Christians, this group that Peter is writing this directly to, because it says right off the bat in verse one that Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is writing to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion of the, of the scattered, right? So now, like, what does Peter mean by elect exiles here? I want, to, I want to break those two words down. Um, and first of all, the, the ESV translation says elect exiles. There's other translations out there that say different things, like um, some say pilgrims, some say foreigners, some say travelers, even strangers that are scattered throughout this area. And so I want to break this down a little bit. Um, that first word in those, elect, okay? Elect meaning those chosen by God. 
So God's chosen people who he has called, who he has set apart, those are his chosen people. Those people he has set apart to be his people. And if you want to hear more, um, more about that, more about elect and election and all the predestination stuff, we actually talked about that um, a year ago in our Ephesian study. So go back and look at that. Um, Chris did a good sermon on all, on all that stuff. Um, so this was written to God's chosen people, his elect, who are also exiles. Now, the definition of an exile is someone who is expelled or barred or is being sent away from their native land into a foreign land that is not their own. If you look up the term of, of pilgrims, which I wanted to do, because that was a good, interesting little translation there, pilgrims. Um, we all know our history from growing up in history class. Uh, the pilgrims that came to America in 1620, they were, they were travelers. They were visitors. They were strangers to a new land. And they landed in a place that was not their own. Like it wasn't, it wasn't their home. But these pilgrims, they had a, they had a goal, Right? The goal of these, of these strangers, these visitors, they were looking for a better place, weren't they? They were traveling to a different land that wasn't their home and in search of something better, something greater, something different. And these are people who don't have a place to stay, right? Who don't have a place to call home. They're, they're looking. They're just passing through in search of something better, but where they are at is not their home. They're not of that place. And so Peter is talking to God's chosen people who he has called different, called to be different, set apart for his own, who are not of this place, not of this world in search of something greater, searching for their real home. And they're suffering right now because of their belief in this, this guy named Jesus. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Like this, this is, this is us. Right? This, like Peter, we are Peter's audience for this. This is for the Christians who are, who are in Christ, even us living in 2023. We are pilgrims, strangers, foreigners. We're exiles to this world that we're, we're just, we're passing by like this is not our home. So he's speaking to us. And how do we, how do we know this? How do we know that that is, that is us, that that is who we are? Because when you are in Christ, John 17, 14 says this. It says, this is what Jesus says. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of this world. So Christian, if, you, if, if your life is in life and faith in Jesus Christ, you are not of this world. This is not your home, your permanent place. You are an exile here, just passing by and hopefully looking for a better place that is to come. And so what does that look like for us? Like, what does that look like for us? And I'll ask you, I'll ask you this question. Do you live your life as an exile here in this world? Like as someone who is not of this world, just, just passing through um, with your eyes fixed on something better? Or does your life look like you've kind of made a home here? in this world. Like you're not just passing through or, or hoping for something even better, but you've kind of liked what you found, right? You've built a home here. You've taken root here. 
Let's be honest, church, most of us sort of live our lives as, as we're not exiles here on this earth like, like we're called to be. Most of us just feel right at home. Like we don't look like strangers or, or pilgrims here. We kind of look like everybody else. We blend in to fit in, right? We, we look comfortable here because we're not living the life that is chosen elect of elect exiles of, of Jesus. So most of us, if we're honest, like we're, we're just kind of sort of fitting in here and we like it here and we want to, maybe we want to stay. And we've forgotten how God has chosen us out of this world and set us apart to be different, not of this world and chosen out of this world for a greater world, a greater prize. And so, so Peter's speaking to those believers in Christ who are called to not be part of this world. They don't have a home here because ultimately, where is their home? Their home is with Christ in a new heavens and new earth for eternity. And so Peter's speaking to us. Like we are, we are exiles here, right? We are, we are suffering our own sufferings. We're battling our own battles here, following Christ in a world, in a state, in a city that's, that it's not looked at as a good or popular thing to do. Um, so we're strangers here. And even as we are in exile and suffering through this world, Peter gives us, he gives us a guide on how to survive this, how to survive exile in this world. And that is by reminding us of our hope. Hope is what gets us through things, right? Like we need to be reminded of our hope, which is our way out of exile. Our life preserver that is gonna save us through these sufferings, it's hope. And not just any hope, but Peter here says it's living hope. That's a term he gives us, living hope. I don't know if you know the difference between just hope um, and this living hope that Peter is talking about, but, but just hope, take normal, everyday, worldly hope, right? The hope that we usually think of. Like this is the hope that like you might get that job after you interviewed for it. Like you're just hoping for that job, right? This is the hope that you put into a relationship that, man, I hope, I hope this is the one. I hope this person is the one. I hope it works out. This is the hope that you have for um, the CU Buffs to uh, start off the season really well, which they did. That's right. That kind of hope that you get in, even in sports, when you're jumping up off the couch and you're crossing your fingers and you're like, oh, I hope he makes this field goal or whatever it is. There's also that hope that we see when, um, when we know of some, somebody struggling, maybe struggling financially or struggling in any other ways. And we, and we know it's bad, but we haven't seen them in a while. And then we cross paths with that person where we try to give them a little bit of encouragement saying, oh, things will get better. Like, I, I really believe that things will get better. I'm, I'm sure. And their response is, I, I hope so. You know, maybe they believe that things will get better, but maybe not. Maybe they're just hoping. Like, this is a wishful thinking type of hope. Right? This is the hope, this is the hope in uncertain desires and outcomes. And that's the hope that this world gives us in any and every circumstance, because that's not our real hope. Right? So I'll ask, I'll ask you this, church, where is your hope today? 
Where's your hope today? As you sit here today, where is your hope or, or what is your hope in? Right? Is your hope in that job? Is your hope in your job now or your, your relationship or your marriage um, or even your looks and appearances? Is it in leaders? Man, is it in political leaders? Or heck, is it in church leaders and your pastors? Like when the, when the going gets tough, where do you put your hope? When these struggles start happening, where do you put your hope? Where do you find your hope in? But Peter isn't talking about that hope, right? He's not talking about that wishful thinking, cross your fingers sort of hope. He's talking about living hope. And living hope is not what you hope for, but instead what you have hope in. And so we can read more about this living hope in verse three. So follow along with me in verse three. Peter says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So it says, according to his great mercy, God's great mercy, which means this has nothing to do with us, right? Not of anything that we have done, but because of God and his great mercy, he has caused us, again, there's that whole you know, chosen, elect, predestination, peace. He has caused us, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Now, I want to focus on the, that term born again, because if, you, man, if you've grown up in maybe the, the Christian circles or if you've grown up in church for a, a little while, you've probably heard that. I know growing up, I heard born again. And I had no idea what that meant because it was a little weird as like a teenager hearing that sort of um, sort of thing, being born again, but it says being born again into that living hope. And what Peter's talking about here into that living hope is our salvation. Our salvation that is a gift from God. And just as an infant does nothing to be born, we experience a, a rebirth, not because of who we are or anything we have done, we experience this born again, this rebirth into a new life with Christ because of what God has done through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Our salvation in Jesus Christ is our living hope, and it's what makes us new. It gives us that rebirth. It's a, it's a real hope as opposed to, to a wishful thinking sort of hope. Now, in the, in the many verses to come in this, in this section, Peter will explain to us our salvation a little bit. Um, he kind of breaks it down for us, help us understand this, this free gift that we have been given, um, that is our hope and our suffering in this world that we don't belong to. And um, you've probably heard some of these. I'm going to throw out some theological terms to you before. And you've probably heard some of them because we talked about them from this stage, even in just the last few years. But I want to break this down for you a little bit. As we read. So, so again, let me read verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so, the first thing Peter talks about this when it comes to our salvation 
that gives us this living hope, Peter says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Now, now really, if you unpack this a lot, this is what he's talking about, is he's talking about justification. If you know that term, justification. This means that we are declared righteous. In our salvation, this, is, this means we are declared righteous. And again, this isn't of our own doing at all. Justification is an act of God where he pronounces a sinner to be righteous because of the sinner's faith in Jesus Christ. So he says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. So because of God, we are justified and able to receive this living hope that Peter is talking about. So justification, we are justified, we are declared righteous. That is this kind of first step that Peter talks about of our salvation and our living hope in Jesus. And then he goes on, follow along with me, verse five. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now we'll jump over one of the three here just to, to talk about this one here. But Peter says that, that you are justified to an inheritance, an inheritance promised to us to share in with Christ. And that is, I love, I love these three words that he, he uses. And that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, <laughs> Like th those, three those three words aren't of this world. Like what do you know in this world that is, that is unfading, imperishable, that is undefiled? And here this next step that, that shows us, this next step in our salvation that gets us this living hope, he says he's, it's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And what Peter's talking about here is glorification. Glorification, if you've heard that term before, because we are born again into this living hope that is nothing of our own doing, but, but God's work in us and God's justification for us in declaring us righteous of our sins, we will then be glorified. We will be changed. We will be holy in his presence. And this is what is still to come, right? This is the hope. This is, this is what we have hope in. This is our gift, like Peter says, that, uh, that is kept for us in heaven. And, and what's kept for us in, in, in heaven says an inheritance, an inheritance that we get to share in with Christ that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And that's what we get to look forward to. Like, that's our hope. But in order to get there, like we know this glorification thing doesn't just happen. Uh, we know that we are here in this world as, as exiles, uh, passing through, we're strangers, looking for this place where we belong, this place where God has chosen us to be. Um, we know that while we are here as exiles, we will suffer. We will suffer trials um, and, and sufferings, but God is at work in us. He's at work in those trials and those sufferings. But hear me, church, it's, it's a process. And this is something we've talked about a lot up here at Fathom Church is, is this process of sanctification, right? And this, this, this process piece of our salvation in, in Jesus Christ, like 
It's what we're going through right now. It's, it's, it's the everyday life. It's the struggles, the, the trials, the temptations, the sufferings, the work that Christ is doing in us, but also the work that, that, that we are doing on ourselves, the growth that we're doing, the going deeper in our relationship with God. It's all part of the sanctification process. And I want to read this for you again in verse six, six through nine. Peter says this, talking about our sanctification. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So again, if, if, if there's one thing that hopefully we've tried to make clear here at Fathom, um, and, and we do say this a lot, but it's true, is that you will be tested through trials and, and sufferings. And... God is still at work through those trials and sufferings in every single one of them to produce in you a genuine faith that is more precious than gold, tested by fire and will result in the praise and glory and honor of Jesus. He says, in this, you will rejoice. In these trials, as hard as they are, we rejoice in our current suffering, whatever that is, as hard as it might be, we rejoice because we are being sanctified in Christ. We rejoice in those trials and those sufferings in this process of life because we have a living, real hope in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Like this is our living hope. Now I wanna end off by sort of reading our last little bit here that was read at the beginning of our service. So follow along with me in verses 10 through 12. Peter says, now concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about this grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when the predicted, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. It says concerning this salvation, this, this saving grace, it says was prophesied about, right? And so you see see here at at this time when Peter is writing this, like these people didn't have the New Testament to go look back on and read all about Jesus. Now, some of them were there with Jesus, but some of them weren't, a lot of them weren't. So the only salvation that they could really read about was Old Testament prophecies. And in those, the hope they were talking about was not a hope in uncertain outcomes or circumstances or political leaders or wishful thinking, they prophesied about Jesus. The prophets spoke about 
the hope that was to come, which was the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And that's our living hope. The resurrection of Christ stands at the center of our hope as Christians. And because Christ is risen, we know that his death on the cross accomplished its saving purpose as a once and for all sacrifice for our sin. And because Christ is risen, we Christians have our salvation in him, who have our salvation in him, in him have the hope of our glorious resurrection with him in life someday. This is his gift of his great mercy and grace because Jesus has risen from the dead. Our hope is not a wish or crossing our fingers. It's as alive as he is. Our hope is in Christ's resurrection. You know, what's funny is I... Um, I usually quiz my seven-year-old Austin um, about the memory verse that he learns in, uh, in church each week. And uh, each week I've been asking him, hey, do you know the memory verse? Do you know the memory verse? Um, and this is a great reflection as a parent. Um, uh, but he, he tells me, no, I, I don't remember this one, um, but I remember a different one. You remember, you want to know the one I remembered? I'm like, oh, sure, go for it. And he always says, he is not here, he is risen. I'm like, Okay, so Easter, you remember Easter's? Yeah, that was on Easter. He is not here, he is risen. Matthew 28, six. I'm like, okay, but you didn't remember this week? Okay, that's fine. Um, but that is a good one to remember, right? Knowing that our hope is in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, remembering that he is not here, he is risen, from Easter Sunday morning, that is a good one to remember. And even in our sufferings as chosen people, not of this world, we have a reason, every reason to rejoice and to rejoice in our salvation. So I don't want you all to live in the hope of, of, of things of this world. That's my encouragement to you. And, and hear me, if you, um, if you aren't in Christ, if this is something that you haven't made a decision yet um, about, and you're just kind of like thinking of it, and maybe your hope is sort of circumstantial, it's, um, your hope is just sort of wishful thinking, it changes a lot, even um, from who it's in to, to what your hope is in. Um, I just want you to know that like you can have this, this living hope that Peter is talking about, um, that is eternal if you believe in the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is the free gift of hope that is, um, that is alive in Christ. And that, that's yours today. And so church, I want to encourage you um, to think about where your hope is in and to receive his living hope today that is alive, that is a, that is a gift from him for you this morning. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for giving us um, your servant, Peter, um, for who he, who he was, God. Um, God, who, what, the, the words that you, um, you spoke through to him to write down, God, that we can study here um, at Fathom Church, God. And, and we, we thank you for this. We thank you for um, the opening of this new series, this new book, God. God, we thank you for giving us this living hope. 
Jesus this, this hope that isn't um, just circumstantial. This hope that isn't in things that are gonna change in people that are gonna change, God. We thank you, Jesus, that we can put our hope in you and it's a hope that is in your life, death, and resurrection. Jesus, we, we, we just pray that um, for all the sufferings, the trials that we are going through, God, that we know this is, um, that these things here are, are to test us, to build us up, to strengthen us, God, and that um, you are building in us a, a faith that is more precious than gold, that is tested by fire. And, and God, we just turn to you and put our hope in you, Jesus, through these times, knowing that, that God, we, when our hope is in you, this, this living hope, God, that we have this hope in, in eternity with you and this inheritance with you, Jesus, that we get to share in with you, that is a gift from you. And God, we know that this is not of our own doing at all, God. And so we thank you for this gift of a living hope, God, in your son, Jesus, and his resurrection. God, I just thank you for each and every person here, those who are, who are listening, God. And I just pray for each and every one of us, God, that we really will think about where we put our hope in, who we put our hope in. God, lay it on our hearts to, um, to, to follow you, God, to drop everything we have and follow you like Peter did. We thank you, Jesus, for this message, God. We thank you for this time of, of worship and diving deeper into a relationship with you. We ask that you just bless us as we go throughout our day and our week. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.